Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen. Thanks, Tom. How are we doing tonight? Good. I brought my um, picnic table shirt tonight with the snow Friday. I said, let's try to usher in summer. So uh, that's, I'm doing my best, okay? Um, so tonight is what I want to do, sometimes I'm prone to do, is ask you to use your imagination. I want you to pretend um, that you're part of a family living in the 13th century of Egypt. That's kind of a lot, right? Um, but just try to pretend. Maybe you're the mom or uh, a dad or a grandfather or a grandparent or maybe you're one of the kids in, in the family. Just pretend that's you. And you live in this place. Um, you're not Egyptian. You're part of what's called the Hebrew people. And your life is horrible. Sorry, I wish I could give you better news. Every day is toil. You're in slavery. And every single day is a daily grind where to the point of like all you hope for is a moment of rest. Forget about joy, right? Forget about um, trying to get some kind of hope in there. It's just every day, just toil. And, and the problem is it's not just for you. It was for your parents and your grandparents and honestly, you don't remember a time when life wasn't like this for your people. What would that feel like? There's sort of these mythological, it seems like, rumors from ancient history when things were better and this God who supposedly made promises. But that was a long, long, long time ago. Forget about God. Like, you, you don't even have the time to, the only prayer you have time for is to groan looking at the sky. That's how terrible life is in Egypt. So that's you. But some of that changed a little bit recently. This guy came to town, actually two, Moses and his brother Aaron. And it came saying that there is a God. First of all, that's crazy to you, that there be a God. And second of all, that he's the only God, like, well, if there's a God, there's probably lots of them. That's what we believe here in Egypt, right? So there's a God, he's the only God, and he loves you. He loves you. And he's going to rescue you from Egypt, from your slavery. And not only is he going to rescue you, but he says, I want you to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. Moses comes to town saying that. What do you think? Seems, I don't even want to hope. It's crazy. Right? And yet, there's a lot backing him up. I mean, so far, there's been these huge events that Moses has done, and all of Egypt is in turmoil. The Pharaoh is even angrier. Like, all these things we call plagues happened. And, 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 and so you're, you're there, and you're like, oh my, I mean, he says there's a God, and he could certainly do some pretty amazing tricks. And, and so do I believe, and you got to, is it, do I want to believe? Do I, do I want to have hope in this God who says he's going to rescue me? Right? And, and, and so you've you got to be thinking, is it worth it? Or do I just stay here? The thing that I know 
as bad as it is, at least I know this. I don't know what this is all about. And it seems too good to be true. And besides, if you're going to be honest, even with all the tricks and everything that's happened, you still live in this place called Goshen. You still live in your home. And things, if you're going to be honest, have just simply gotten even worse. Pharaoh's angrier. The Egyptians hate you even more. And it's like, why, Moses? Why did you even come to town? So imagine that. That's you. Now, Moses comes back, right? And he gathers you and your family your neighbors, and you're there, and he, and he says, all right, this is it. God is finally, this is the one. He's going to rescue you. He's going to get you out of this place, and he's going to lead you to another place where he's going to be your God, and you're going to be his people. He's going to rescue you. You're sitting there going, right now? Tonight? This is going to happen? He says, yes, and he's commanded you to do something. Now, you're gathered. You're listening to this Moses guy. He's got a staff, which is pretty cool. But other than that, you're like, I'm not sure. What, and you're gathered there, and he says, here's what the Lord has commanded you to do. Every household, right, is you are to take your best lamb, spotless lamb. Now, that sounds great, except for you, you're poor, you're a slave. And this is one of the great, this is not the rotten vegetables in that drawer in your fridge that you were going to throw away anyway. This is that filet mignon that you shouldn't have probably bought, but you couldn't help. The greatest thing you got, right? And he says, I want you to, every family's got to take that. And you're going to sacrifice to this God. And, and when you kill this lamb, you're going to take its blood and you're going to fill this basin with this blood. Again, picture it. I know a lot of you have heard this story before. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the story. You're there, and Moses is saying this. What are you thinking? Am I going to do this? Am I really going to do this, right? And he says, so what you're going to do is tonight, you're gonna, everyone's going to sacrifice their lamb, and you're going to uh, get to the, the, the doorposts of your house. And you want to take that blood and and it won't be a brush like this. It's more like a hyssop branch is what they used. And you're going to mark your doorposts with the lamb's, spotless lamb's blood. You're like, this is crazy. He says, here's what's going to happen. Tonight, the, the, the Lord is going to come, and the angel of the Lord, with the presence of this God, who you don't know much about at all, except for these crazy things that have been happening lately, and he's going to come in every single house in Egypt, every single one, including here, he's going to come, and he's going to kill every firstborn son, of the animals too, by the way, as a penalty, as a payment. He says, but if you take the spotless lamb and you sacrifice and you do this, I'm going to pass over your house and you'll be rescued. Rescued by God's grace. Because that lamb has taken your place and shed its blood. And so when the, God sees that blood, he will pass over. And so you have to ask, right, Am I willing, am I willing to, by faith, carry this task out and sit in my house and wait for this God to rescue me, to rescue us? By faith. And so it is by faith that you ha they had to do this and put it on the outside 
of their house and say, is the spotless lamb, the blood shed by that spotless lamb, enough to take my place? And Hebrews writer is going to say, by faith, Moses sprinkled the blood by faith because of God's grace. Lord, I ask that you would take this story that we, many of us know really well, and I pray that you would bring it alive to us so that we can know what you're teaching us. By your grace, we can be saved, we can be reconciled and rescued, and we just, Lord, collectively tonight want to remember your grace so that we can live in that, in the present. Lord, not 13th century, it's long gone, this century, our time, by your grace. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. So that we've been doing this series, faith series, right, where the Hebrews writer took in chapter 11 in this letter that he wrote to a really, really struggling church. They were struggling in faith. They were struggling to believe God. They were struggling because there were all this persecution, right? And so he's been taking all of these people, um, and he started in early, you know, creation, went through Genesis, a lot of different people in Genesis. And last week we got to Exodus, right? And he came to Moses' parents and then Moses himself. And remember, like, Moses' little baby in the basket. If you were here last week, that's what happened to Moses, right? He grew up and he killed a dude and he had to run to Midian. And that's where we left him, right? He ran off to, to Midian. And so the Hebrews writer is going to skip all of that. But just for context, he met a wife, settled down, had some kids, figured, I'm never going back to Egypt again. I'm, you know, I, I blew it. They're, they're looking for me. And so he, 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 Jethro, his father-in-law, was a, was a pretty renowned uh, shepherd. And so Moses took care of his sheep for 40 years. He was 80 years old now. Not 40, he's 80. And God meets him at that burning bush, right, where he, the Lord teaches, that I'm going to send you to go rescue my people in Egypt. So after a lot of, you know, haggling with the Lord, Moses uh, went with his brother Aaron because he needed some help. At least he thought he did. And, he go, and they went there. And then as I mentioned, the, the, the nine plagues so far, these huge things, all these. And, and, and yet you'd think Pharaoh would let them go. But he says, Pharaoh, you've got to let God's people go. And he wouldn't, right? So, so he's, because um, his heart is hardened. And so you, you get through all those nine plagues. And so now the Hebrews writer is going to take up at that tenth plague, the one. Right, the one that matters the most. And he says, by faith, he, that's Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So the question is, what does that have to do with us? Right, so to answer that, because I know you're asking that, we should be, we're going to go to, if you're, we'll put it on the screen, but if you are following along, we're going to spend uh, most of our time in, in, in Exodus chapter 12. So this is the original story that the Hebrews writer is talking about and referring to, okay? And so uh, the, the, the Lord said to Moses, this is after the ninth plague, before the tenth, this is the Lord talking to Moses, all right? This is the instructions. And Aaron, right, in the land of Egypt, he said, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. All right, so there's the instructions. Couple of things here. First, think how crazy this is. Moses, you're going to tell all the people, this is now the first month. Imagine if God came to you in the middle of July and said, all right, this is the new first month. You'd be like, wait, it's 7 
January. Why? What are we going to do? All of my, you know, my, my, Google, my phone's going to be messed up, right? It's like, it'd be kind of weird for, for you, right? But he does this purposely. He says, this event marks a beginning. This is not just where I'm going to rescue you, but this is where you are going to know my promise, my love. This is where you are also going to be reconciled to me. So, so to understand that this is the character of God. He doesn't just save you and then let you go to, to whatever whim br- it brings you, right? He, he saves you to have relationship with him. And that's the whole point of this. This is all going to be new for you. I want you not just to be rescued from your slavery, but I want you to live in newness. A new life, a new purpose, Right, knew, knew everything. And so he sets this, this month up, and this, this new month, and right from the beginning, he's telling them they don't understand what's going on yet, but God does. And he also uh, here, which I think is really important for us to, to remember, is that he says that every household is to do this. That by faith, do this. So if you're, remember your imagination, if you're that family, you can't just be like, well, we'll just kind of see how this goes, Right? And if everyone else escapes, we'll just go with them. That's not how it works. He says every family has to, by faith, say, we believe that this God can rescue and will. We believe his word and we believe his power. Every individual. So even today when we think of God rescuing us, you have to individually believe. You don't get credit for being in a Christian home or in a Christian school, or in church, or any of that. All that stuff's great. But you have to believe by faith. Right? So right, he sets that up for them right away. Verse 4, And if the household, God says to Moses, is too small for a lamb, then he and the nearest neighbor uh, shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. So that's, you know, he doesn't want there to be leftover. So if you're a really small family, you share with the, you and a neighbor, get together and do it together. He says in verse uh, 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at Twilight. She gives them a very specific day that every single one of them has to take, again, the most prized possession of your flock. Not, you know, the leftovers. I always hated this lamb, right? I'll just give this one to God. No. The best, or certainly if you have more than one, one of the best, and it has to be spotless because this lamb is going to take the place of the firstborn. It's going to die in the firstborn's place. So you can't bear another's burden of sin unless you yourself are without sin or without spot. God is already teaching us that something that's going to happen many, many generations later. But we'll keep with this one. Verse 7 says, then they shall take some of the blood and they put it on the two doorposts and in the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roast it on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water. Sorry, Irish. I'm Irish, right? 
no boiling, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And so all of this to just basically say, by faith, you believe God enough that he's going to do this, that we don't need leftovers because we're out of here, right? You, you know you're moving. You don't keep leftovers in the fridge. And you have your, your you, you know, if you know you're, you're leaving that night, you're not getting in your pajamas. You're going to wear the clothes that you're ready to go. By faith, I believe, as crazy as this is, this God's coming to rescue. And so then he gives He tells them what's going to happen, why you're doing this. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt." Right? So the Lord, and this is important if you know this story, it's very important. The Lord isn't saying, I'm passing over you because you're better than the Egyptians. He's not saying that. He's not saying, I'm passing over you because you're cuter, you're better looking, you're more popular. Or, quite frankly, I just feel real bad for you. Look at you, you're kind of pathetic, you're slaves. I'll just pass over. It's not it. He's passing over by grace. Through their faith. If they do this, the spotless lamb has taken the place of that firstborn and he will pass over. That's the condition. Will you believe me? Will you believe me? So you will be saved by your faith, right? Because of my grace, not because of any other reason at all. This day shall be for you, he says to Moses, a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. So this weird event, if you're a family, you're like, this is so weird, so strange, it turns into an incredible event, that that's going to be an event that for generations and generations and generations, right on to the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples, are celebrating the Passover. It becomes the pinnacle event in, Ju- in Judaism. To re- and so God tells them to remember what's about to happen. Do you know that in the Old Testament, over 200 times, God commands his people to remember? Sometimes we're like, I, I, not, don't look back, only look forward. No. Certain things you want to forget, yeah. But God wants us to remember, remember, remember. Remember what? Remember his word, remember his power to carry out his word. Because, well, we tend to forget. We tend to forget what God has done, who God is. And so he says, I want you. What's about to happen, Moses? I want you to remember this. So a little bit more happens, but I'm going to skip ahead. Because here's the real question. If you're that family and you're there, and Moses gives, he goes, all right, this is what the Lord told me, so you got to do. And you're like, okay, will they do it? Right? Will they do? Will they actually do in obedience what, what God said? So I'm going to skip ahead to verse 21, same chapter. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans. And kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood 
that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. Stay back. Don't peek out. You know some of them want to do, right? Is he coming yet? Is that him? This isn't Santa Claus, right? Stay inside. Just trust it. Sit back. You know, wait for him to come. Verse 23, for the Lord, Moses says, will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe the right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. If that could just be the line of each one of our lives, that simple. We went and we did so. Did what? What the Lord said to do. Just do it. You see, this here, as the Hebrews writer says, by faith, he, they, by extension of Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood. What a moment as you picture that. Moses says, this is what you need to do. And that, what did they do? They bowed, they in faith believed and worshipped. You see, you can't worship God without believing God. Otherwise, you're worshiping someone else, something else. But when you really believe that God is true to his word and his promises and his power, to back it up, it flows into who he is and what he's done, and then you worship. And that's what they did. Now, this ragtag group would mess up later on. We know that. But on this night, they believed God. And so they were rescued. And so this Hebrews writer now is telling it to Christians. Why? This isn't Judaism. We don't celebrate Passover anymore. Why is he telling them this? By faith. Remember. Right? Why, why this story? Why is it so important to us if we're not uh, Jewish? We're believers in Jesus Christ. Right? The, there's, the, there's a few things, but the, the biggest one is this. This has always been true of God. God's grace rescues. God's grace rescues. Rescues us. And so, (laughs) our rescue came not from the blood of a lamb you killed in a basin. It came from, as John the Baptist put it, behold the lamb of God. He shed his blood on a cross so that God in his grace might pass over us. Now, uh, there's this idea of rescuing us through his blood. Lots of verses, um, verse 1. And by the way, and I know, know certainly many of you, a lot of people who have been Christians for a long time, it's easy to be like, yeah, I know this, Jamie. And I I sometimes do it too. I know this, but what else, what else? Remember how often God says, remember, remember. 
Because he knows how easy we start to think, you know what, this is kind of us. God's my co-pilot now. How easy it is for us to forget who we are, who we were, and now who we are because of God. And so if you know this like the back of your hand, let it wash over you again and remember what he's done. If not, what a beautiful time to hear what God has done for you. In him, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. There it is. It's all by his grace. Jesus didn't save you because he wants you on your team. He didn't save you because you're popular. He didn't save you because like, wow, man, I really need that gift on, on my team or in the business of my church. No, it's by grace, unearned. We did nothing. That means just like living in Goshen and the Egyptians, we are no better than anyone else. All of us deserve the judgment of God. But by his grace, Jesus took our place, shed his blood so that when we believe in him, God might pass over us. He might rescue us just as he did to them. That this whole story, this whole picture in Egypt is all just this amazing character of God pointing to when for one final sacrifice, the Lamb of God, his own son, would die for us and shed his blood on a cross. And that sign of that blood when it's on you, God passes over. Again, your faith, but by his grace. And so the, the, the same question remains for us. Have we, not your family, not your church, not, have you believed? Have you put your faith in this God who has done this for you? It can be hard. It can be a crazy story. Do I really believe that? If you're going to be honest, there's times where you're like, it just seems First of all, too good to be true that God would just send his own son to die for me, right? It also just be like, I just don't really understand it all, or I don't understand what this God, and, and you can feel a lot like those families in Egypt probably felt like. Right? Well, really, what, what is this all about? And I know, I mean, I grew up uh, believing in God, going to church, and all of that. It's just... I, I, when I came face to face with this, that this is the way God made for me to be rescued and saved. Boy, I hated that. That's the gospel. I hated the gospel. You know, uh, my, who's now my wife now? Heather sitting over there. Raise your hand, Heather. Hi, Heather. No, she doesn't want to do that. When we were in college, she told me that. And we fought for quite a while. She almost broke up with me a few times. Probably should. Thank God she didn't. All right? Leave it at that. We fought over that. I'm like, what? You mean that good person over there and that person just because they have not put their faith in Christ? Like, really? And, and, and see, my, my whole philosophy was just wrong in understanding that there is, the Bible says, there's no one good, not in comparison to the glory and holiness of God. Yeah, compared to each other, some of us that are better, sure, but that's not the game, is it? Is am I within the sight of a holy God? And I just had such a hard time with that, but she just wouldn't stop, right? And, and I loved her, so we stayed together and all that. And then, I mean, some of you have heard this story, but I'm, I'm sorry, um, I got one life, so I, I can't make stuff up, right? And, and, and so we, got, we were in college, and she uh, so badly wanted me to go to this week-long thing for college students. And... Um, it was a missions conference, actually, and it would be all Christians there. It was in, on the campus of uh, Urbana, Illinois. 
University of Illinois, and, and it was, we left the day after Christmas. I did not want to go. I'm like, first of all, day after Christmas. Second of all, a long bus ride. Third of all, a bunch of Christians that believe this. I don't want anything to do with it. I just don't, right? And so she paid for me, so I went. What, what am I going to say then, right? And, and uh, so you're like, wow, all we have to do is pay. Pretty much. That's kind of how it works with me. And, and, and so we get on the bus and we go there. And she was with uh, Adrian, my now sister-in-law, my brother's wife, who was her best friend in college. And they got the room together. And I had to go over here to a whole other dorm housing place all by myself. Well, I wasn't by myself, but I didn't know anybody. A bunch of guys over here. I don't know these guys. I was just so, ugh. I had the worst attitude ever. And I go in, and through that process, my roommates, the guys on my hall, we would meet, we would pray, and they were just so patient with my questions and my I don't really know, and they prayed over me, and they shared with me, and then one night in that, in that huge arena, a speaker was speaking, and I just believed in Jesus Christ. And I said, I've told you this before, this was my great moment of faith, I said, Jesus, I don't know why you want me, but you got me. And he took that till eternity. It's not over. So here's my question. Have you believed? Maybe it wasn't in an arena. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was just in your house. Maybe it's right now. But, but in some church service or someone sitting next to you in a coffee shop or, or you heard something or you watched something on YouTube. I don't know when God grabbed your heart, but have you ever said, not your family, not your school, not your VBS, not some prayer you maybe prayed. Have you believed that Christ alone is for the forgiveness of your sins, that he rescued you by his blood? That's the question. So I'll just before I, I finish up um, with one more point, I'm just going to ask every one of us, except me, uh, to close your eyes and just breathe. Don't fall asleep. And I just, I, I want to, I want you to think again. Remember the beginning when I asked you to imagine being that family in Egypt and what it took to put your faith in this God? Do I really believe that? In that moment, do I really believe God's word, God's promise, and God's power to do it? That's the same for us today. I want you to ask yourself, do I believe God's word that his son died and shed his blood for me and he's the only way? And do I believe he has the power to save me? In other words, have you believed the gospel? Have you repented, turn away from your sin, and trust in the shed blood of Christ? The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is by grace you are saved. And this not of yourselves, but the gift of God. Through your faith. I just want to give you that opportunity, just even now. You don't have to do anything but just say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. Save me. Rescue me. And if you have, thank him for it. Lord, I pray for anyone who needs to do that. They may have questions, but they want to believe you, believe you are God that you rescue, would you rescue them tonight by your blood, Lord Jesus, and by the power of your name.
And so there's another R word that I think that does, that shows us. God's grace reconciles. See, we, like the Egyptians, got the chain again, like the Egyptians, are, were in chains. And except we weren't in chains by, uh, you know, Pharaoh and the armies of Egypt. We were in chains by our sin. And, and, and so the rescuing comes from our sin. But you know that he said, I don't just want to take you out of Egypt. I want a relationship with you. I want, I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. I want to give you a whole, he would give them the law. He'd give them a whole other way to live. A whole new free way to live. This is reconciling them to himself. And so for us in the, the, the blood of, of Christ, this is what Paul said in Ephesians. I mean, this one is, sorry, I'm going to skip that one. Second Corinthians. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is now a new creation. The chains are gone, just like we just sang, right? I've been set free. I'm a new creation because of Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, Paul writes. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and then trusting to us the message of reconciliation. By his grace, we can be reconciled and free. Do you realize what that means? It means you're not just saved from hell. You're not just saved from sin. You are saved to pursue, right? He's taken these chains of old life off and to now pursue him. That's why we, re- we don't read the word of God. We don't pray. We don't come to church and sing songs and, 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 and uh, serve God and share Christ with people. We don't do that to check religious boxes off. We do it to pursue more of him because he's freed us to do it. He's reconciled us to relationship. And so if you're here and you, like, like the world, one of the, the, the most heartbreaking things for me is to meet people, so many people, who the world has basically given you the message, you are trash. You are garbage. Maybe it was some bully or bullies. Maybe it was, God forbid, your own parents. Or maybe it was your own voice in your head. I'm nothing. I'm no good. I've screwed up. I've blown it. So even when you believe in Christ, it's like you can't recognize that these chains are gone. It's just, you can't do it. So you just stay like this. And you're like, oh, I'm just going to wait. And, and, and realize, he says, today is a new, the first day of the first month of the year. What he's saying is this is the beginning of a new life for you. That you are new, new creation, chains gone. And so what is God calling you to do in that reconciliation? What is he calling you to do? I want to, again, just for uh, one minute, close your eyes again. You did good the first time. It's not a lot lot to ask. And I just want you, because it can get kind of distraction. And I just want so badly for you and I me included, believe me, to live in this freedom of reconciliation, to recognize when we trust the blood of Christ, 
that we have a new life. We can seek God. We can daily repent. We can confess. We can read his word. We can have time of prayer. We can gather in church. We can serve him together because we love him. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to visualize the chains that are in your life. Visualize, in case you didn't hear that because there was another noise going on, the chains in your life. Whatever you're seeking more than him and is getting in the way of your relationship with him. Fill in the blank. I, what is God saying? I am going to do what? What am I going to do that my chains have held me back? What am I going to do? And secondly, what chains do you need to take off? Paul calls it the old man. That God's telling you to stop. It's the old life. The chains of lust and pornography and alcohol and drugs and, and the chains of, of bitterness and anger and the chains of unforgiveness and the, the chains of, of jealousy and whatever it is. What is it for you? Visualize it. Visualize it. Now, picture yourself just throwing it off because it doesn't exist anyway. Get rid of it. Those chains are no longer. What is God calling you to not do? What is God calling you to do? In the victory of the freedom of his blood shed for you. Reconciliation and relationship. Father, I pray that you will help each and every person here. Help, Lord. Help us to live in the victory and freedom won by the blood of your Son, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, the clock is almost struck. We're running short. So I simply want us to remember. By God's grace, remember. Remember he said, you're going you're gonna to remember this. Every, you're going to remember this every year. Same prayers, same uh, songs, same everything. Remember, remember, remember. It's funny, right? Because Jesus at a Passover, right? This isn't real wine. Nobody get worried, okay? It's grape juice. Some ask why when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, why we have unfermented grape juice. And, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons. But the best reason is we're always going to have people, including tonight, where they have struggled or do struggle with alcohol, and we do not want to contribute to that. So that's why it's a beautiful thing to still symbolize the blood of Christ, right? That, that for them, yeah, it was definitely wine. That's what you had at a Passover meal, right? And, and it's in that time that Jesus, it says when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So at the Passover, Jesus changed it. He said, now you're going to remember what I'm about to do for you tomorrow. And so we do. And so what I want to... Um, close today, and I know it's crazy, like two weeks in a row, right? Celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, but I want, I'm going to invite our, our worship team, we'll come up, I'll get this out of the, their way. And what I want um, us to do is take a few minutes and just breathe, pray, reflect, and remember 
Remember what he's done. And we're going to give you the opportunity uh, to just simply, uh, there's a table halfway down or a little more than halfway, and a table here and on both sides, all right? So while uh, they're playing for a little bit, and um, I give you that, that space, just when you're ready, you said, all right, I want to take the bread and the cup. Just come up and take one, go back to your seat and take it. We're doing it together. We don't all need to eat and drink together. Right, so do it when you're ready. And, and here's the thing. Who should do this? Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. If you have not yet done that and you're still not sure, we love that you're here. Just don't celebrate the Lord's Supper yet. Someday maybe. Right? Someday maybe. And so it's just a response to say all of this I want to remember. Why do I remember? Because then when I leave here tonight and I go about my life, that I live out that kind of radical grace, love, and mercy. Let's pray. Father, I I pray as we prepare to take your bread and, and cup, Lord, as just symbols of what you did, Jesus, that you shed your blood for us and you gave your body in our place. You are the Lamb of God. There will never be a need for another one you died in our place, Lord Jesus. So I pray that you would cause each individual here who's put their faith in you, Jesus, to remember you, to remember the sacrifice, to remember the bloodshed, to remember the resurrection, to remember that they live in the freedom that you have won for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.